0: simply put the words in there that the puzzle is already set up for you to do and it's like a deja vu experience because you're like wow i'm just filling in blanks that's all i'm doing the script is like writing itself and it's the most wonderful experience because it's literally spiritual because my hair would stand on end when that happens and you go like wow that's amazing you're so in a zone you've lived with this character for so long that now you're just Filling in the blanks for what you know they would say. And then you know you're like, wow, I love this character so much
1: that you cry. Welcome to Innovation and in Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. This is part two of the interview with my mentor, Matt Ball. If you missed part one, please go back and hear about his time at Disney and getting into DreamWorks and all the crazy stories. Launching into part two here, I want to talk more about your writing career. How long have you been writing?
0: Oh, I'm embarrassed to say since about 1980. Okay. Okay, it was before then, but it was before I got married. It was, it was when I was still in school. But around nineteen yeah. seventy-eight, yeah, seventy, right in there.
1: You know, you think about these screenplays and the plays and and all the different stuff you've written over the years, and and your one one of the things. I, I, okay, I'm going to start here. I'm I have seen so many two-person partnerships fall apart over the years, business and other things. I'm interested in your approach you know, your writing partner that you had for years, or, you know, like, can you talk about your relationship with, with a writing partner that works? Absolutely.
0: Wow. You know, it's interesting about that. First thing is that we both have said, and Mark is my partner, and he is a single guy, and we're both the same age, but he is a guy that has survived here by himself. But he says, you know, if we have not, if we had not been partners, he says, I don't know if I would have stuck in LA, because it's so hard. It's so difficult to be here. And he goes, You know, you're just a crazy person that comes and says, hey, we can do this today. Let's do it. Let's go. It's crazy. And so I'm like, I didn't I don't mean to be silly about that or too off the wall. But the point is, is that because you've got another person that you can always bounce ideas off of, it makes it so that the survival rate of you together trying to fight this united united fight makes it more not just palatable, but makes it more bearable. You can really go, okay, if because you have an obligation to a guy. And to your dear, dear friend, because you have this obligation to show up and to be in his space. And then some days he's up and other days you're up. But usually it's a fight to get to the computer to see who's going to type for the, you know, during the conversation of the day. So I usually, I won that conversation because he was too too tired. (laughs) But it was so fun. He's like, I'm exhausted just listening to you. And I'm like, so our partnership was all about, I would throw as much mud against the wall to see what sticks. And he's all about forming that one singular gunshot mud ball. You know, it's like, I'm going to make that perfect laser beam bullet. And I'm like, I I can't do it that way. I, I have to give you 10 ideas and let's pull one out because the first idea is never, everybody's got the first idea. And the first idea is usually what everybody says. So between him and me, because I'm the 10 ideas guy and he's the, no, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. And I'm like, well, then why don't you come up with a good idea? And he's really good at editing. But the thing that I find is that he keeps me grounded. He really does keep me balanced. And he is I don't want to say the ballast in our relationship because he's not that. He's an anchor. And he says, you got your head in the clouds. I got my feet in the ground. And together, our torso might be able to walk this walk and we get it done. And so we'd always say it that way. I said, well, I'll yell to you and tell you what the weather's like. And you can yell to me to look out for what to not to stumble on. And let's see what we can do. So we've kind of completed each other's sentences over over the years. But it really comes down to values, that we share the same values. And we share the same perspective. And so we don't have to – like when we say, hey, i got a great film for you to see, I can usually know whether or not he's going to like it. But I know in advance whether he's it's a film I'm going to recommend to him and because it's usually what I like. So he usually likes what I like. And there's a, a few things that are a little bit different for us, but generally we like the same stuff, we talk about the same stuff, and it's, it's not homogenous. Mark is a very calm soul. He's a very quiet guy by comparison to me, but he's also a guy that really is a thinker. He methodically – Thinks before talking. And I'm like, I think out loud. And so between the two of us, we're like, well, it's the old Rocky line. you know. He's got gaps and I got gaps and together we fill gaps. And so you go, well, this sort of works. But the greatest thing also, this is the number one thing, is my wife I was used to say, and that is, all right, we're going to do this and this and this, but have you checked with your other spouse? And I'm like, (laughs) stop it. He goes, no, no, no. You spend as much more time with him and you've gotten this relationship down to where the forgiveness is always there, the compromise is always there, and you're always having to do everything that you would have to do in a relationship of marriage in communication. You have to communicate this way, which is you got to be willing to take your ego out of this equation and to be able to say what's best for the story, what's best for the idea, what is best for the plot, the person, the characters, that's what matters here. This is not about ego. You have to put that to the side. So Instead of us putting those notches on the wall in our check marks to say, yep, that was my idea, that was my idea, that was my idea, we would never ever be able to identify whose line was whose line. So when people would say, how come your name is first on the script? Or how come Mark's name is first on the script in terms of the authorship of a product or a project? And I'm like, usually we decide that by just who comes up with the original idea? Oh, let's do a movie about you know zombies. And you're like, okay, great. I'll put my name first because I just threw that stupid idea out there and here we are writing a movie about zombies. But then, so that's how we did that when everybody would say, oh, so he was the main writer. And I'm like, I think if you asked him that question, he would probably say, no, no. If you asked me who wrote a particular line in a scene, it's because we discussed that one word and that one line 10 times between us. And out of those 10 things, we both go, oh, how about this? Oh, how about this? And suddenly the synergy led to the line. And then it, refines and improves and as you go along you go back and you say oh I'm going to write it again so after the you know the 12th time you write that line I have no idea who thought it who said it who created it it's like there is no way I could put my name on that as a personal you know stamp saying yeah that was my line and that happens occasionally but generally it's a joint thing all the way and that is we're not just completing each other's sentences but it's a matter of saying well what do you think and then when he won't talk I'm like no no you have to tell me what you think otherwise i'm going to tell you what i think and you're going to be mad and just and you're going to tell me it's wrong all day long so tell me what you think so i can bat him out of the park for a while and and he's like okay fine and so we'll throw it out there and it's a constant compromise and when we've been really ticked off with each other it's really a matter of saying hey listen i value our friendship and our relationship way way too much to be angry here so let's just let's just talk this out because i need to talk it out i'm just i'm ticked off so let's get it straight okay and then none of that is meant in, in hatred. It's just meant in frustration. Like, okay, I'm frustrated. So this is what's playing in my mind. So help me to understand how that is not playing correctly. How is it that you intended anyway? So that communication, it's exactly what you have to do in a marriage. So that's why my wife would always say, what's your other spouse think, you know, all the time. And I'm like, stop it. She goes, I think you communicate better with him. As a matter of fact, I think you're more patient and your voice is a lot lower with him than it is with me. I'm like, ow, that hurts. <laughs> and that's when I really know I'm like, oh, I got to take this home and be better at home because my sweetheart, you know, she deserves more than that. Anyway, so she teased me a lot about the fact that I communicate better with him than I do with her. So I'm like, e- I got to do better. I do, I do. <laughs> anyway, she deserves everything to, for me to be better. But does that answer your question at all? It's a starting point anyway? Yeah.
1: You okay. know, it it's a credit to your persistence that you've mastered your craft. I mean, we would never have got Danny Glover on this show if you hadn't written a play so well that he and Cedric and the Entertainer want to be in it. And and thank you for inviting us again to it. That's where I met him to ask him to be on it. But, you okay. know, I don't think you know how much you influenced my career. This is, okay, back in those same times, like back by the, you know, the Catch Me If You Can premiere time when I got to be on the red carpet with Jennifer Garner. Okay, You had written that movie. You had written the movie and... You know, Gwen Paltrow agents said she'd do it if if you had the money and you got the who's the guy from Lost? Oh, That's, Matt Fox.
0: Matt Fox. This agent was all into. We had him. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and Ricky Schroeder said he'd direct it, right? And I'm yeah. like, well, I've got a rich uncle. Do you want me to see if he'll give you the millions for it, right? Who yeah. proceeded to no-show the phone call with Ricky Schroeder, and I'm like, thanks, Uncle Bob. Okay, but <laughs> but I just I just started going like everywhere and said, hey, you don't know anybody with five million bucks for Gwyneth Paltrow movie, do you? And laugh. And people would laugh yeah. back. But about like every 10th person would be like, well, I might know this one guy, right? And <laughs> the, it was a guy at LAX airport. We were both waiting for a baggage. I used my line on him. He said yes. And we went through that whole thing right up till the end. And then you guys went the other direction, right? But wow. that – like going from some stranger in LAX to they're willing to write the check for $5 million And I can't remember. It was not that long number of weeks to happen. For a kid in his early 20s, it was like this – revelation it was like this this like that's real like this is possible you know kind of moment and and it's your yeah no it's like your writing that gets rick shorty said he do it that says you know that gwyneth paltrow wants to be in the movie that you wrote that made my whole career possible i would never have started a private equity fund i would never have done half these things i've done in the whatever 17 18 years since had I not had that experience of having going from like no money raised to, yes, we will cut a check for $5 million, that was like – it sounds like hyperbole. But like when you look at the real definition of a paradigm shift, that was a genuine pr- paradigm shift of like, oh, this is possible and I have that skill set. It, it really shaped the rest of my career and, and it's because you gave me that opportunity
0: that's something to write about. I mean, there's somebody, there's a woman that uh, was on a podcast that I listened to that she wrote an entire book about those moments in her life and about how those seminal moments have, have created a, a whole, you know, life path for her. That's, that's a very cool thing. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Cause my son, who is an asset manager right now is like, I just want to take over somebody's portfolio. And I'm like, yeah, you need, you need one good deal. And that one good deal will lead to the next one. So <laughs> be patient out here. And he's like, that just takes so long. Anyway, the point is, is that that's a very cool thing. I did. I had no idea. That's awesome. Listen, I just kind of what's possible though. And I am as surprised as you are by the stuff that happens. I am. I mean, when, when I'm sitting there, and Danny Glover calls me, calls us, I don't know, uh, three weeks ago. And he says, Hey, whatever you do with your show, don't forget me. I want to be in it. I want to take it there. I want to go there. I'm like, wow. I, I mean, that was actually his best friend that told me this. And I'm like, uh, of course we'd love to have you. We're we honored to have you. It's, it's a privilege. And, and I'm like. What a beautiful thing. I mean, that he goes, no, I've been in the business a while. I mean, I have. I've been in here long enough to know that this is going all the way. So let's do this. I want to do this with you. And I'm like, I'm I'm all in, man. Let's go. And, you know, it's all talk until it happens. Yeah. So it's beautiful. It's fun. By the way, if if people want to connect with you, what's the best way? Is it LinkedIn or email? Or- you can always find me on LinkedIn. You can messenger me there, LinkedIn. You can also, I mean, if you want to get me on email, you can too. Here it is. You want to put the email ad- address out there? Yeah, it's just like tell me. Crazy- yeah. Okay. Maybe maybe
1: somebody wants to fund your next play.
0: Call <laughs> Matt and pay for his next movie, people. Okay, go ahead. It's so funny you say that. We literally put out the investor agreement last night to a couple of people that are like, I want the investor. Send me the investor agreement. I'm like, really? Okay, our first. Here we go. And so, <laughs> hey, congrats. And the, and the Consul General of Hungary is like, let's put it in Budapest. Here we go. I'm like, okay. <laughs> anyway, it was crazy. But uh, here's my email address. It's Ballbranch. Like the fo- a football and branch, ballbranch at gmail.com, ballbranch at gmail.com. Wow, ah, that's scary. That put, that's, puts that out there, doesn't <laughs> <Yeah>. it? <laughs> anyway, that's that's way to get me.
1: Okay. Well, I know we got to be done here at the top of the hour. So we got three more minutes. Okay. And I think that my my question, my writing question for you is all these years, this persistence, you know, what do you think... What's one principle that you've discovered that maybe most writers don't that you that you credit, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow, Danny Glover,
0: people like this want to be in your stuff? I have two things for you, maybe two things. And one is obviously you can't give up. That's easy to say. And you have to write all the time. You Just keep writing and writing. That's that's a fact. Uh, Because those moments occur when you just go, oh, because I always thought my desire was much stronger than my talent until I had put in you know, my 10,000 hours. And I had done that work until finally the day that I knew that it was no longer a desire, but it was in fact, a talent that had been given to me by just sheer grit that you just work through and you go, wow, I think I can actually do this now. I think I know what I'm doing, (laughs) but you feel it and you sense it. It's not a a matter of arrogance, but it's a little bit of self-aggrandizement because you go, okay, now I have the confidence to walk in and say, I can write whatever you want. I can do it. So what do you want to write? Let's go. I mean, base movie, alien movie, zombie movie, Uh, Love story, whatever you want. Let's go. I can do this. I know that sounds a little far-fetched for some people because we all have our proclivities and our interests, but nevertheless, the other thing I was going to say is I used to say this thing, and this is kind of personal, but I'll say it, and that is if I could just take this desire out of my heart and just smash it on the ground and stomp it, that it would make the pain go away of not accomplishing what I want to accomplish. I used to say that. I do not say this anymore, and I'm very careful not to ever say it. (laughs) I'm going on record that I don't say it. Because I had that little voice inside my head that came to me. And this came to me one day and it said, if you say that again, I will take this away from you. Meaning I'm taking away this desire and I'm taking away that passion and I'm taking away your, you know, your interest to just kill yourself to accomplish it. So stop saying that. And I did. I'm like, okay, that means that the struggle is necessary, that you have to put in the work, you have to put in the time, you've got to get on the keyboard, you've got to give it, you've got to give it time, you have to put the time in. And if you don't, don't tell me you want to be a writer if you're not writing. And don't tell me if you want to, uh, go accomplish something if you're not. So if you want to do it, you got to go do it. And it's like when people say to me well, how do you get the business? I'm like, you got a cell phone. You got a pen in your hand, right? You can write a script and you can use your phone to film it. You're in the business. And by the way, don't ever wait. For anybody in this business to tell you that your stuff is good, don't do it. For me, if I always got told no, I just in my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm not talking to the right person. I got to go find the right person, <laughs> but that, that's not the right guy. So, invariably, I would say to you that you've got all the tools and all the means for you to write and to do and accomplish and to be in the business, but all you have to do now is do it. It's really important not to wait for anybody else because… Sorry to use this line, and it sounds cliche to so many many people, but it is from Field of Dreams, and if you build it, they will come. So if you make your movie, no matter how raw, no matter what it is, story, story, story will get people to come. And it doesn't matter what special effects you have. It just matters that you tell a compelling story, and you can do it in such a way that people are like, what? What happened? Whoa, stop. Don't do the dishes. Stop talking. Wait a minute. We got to go back. I got to hear that again. So you just – you gotta compel people to be there because it's too good not to hear, too good not to know. And that just comes from telling the story the right way. And that doesn't mean that every story is new or perfect or anything, but it does mean that the way you tell it is the difference that it makes. I think that's taken too much time, but for me, that's no, it. That's it. Listen, we're gonna to have to go over time.
1: I wanna hear this. When you think about when you think about anybody who's writing, if we look in the mirror and we're saying, and we need to ask ourselves, like, is this story that level story that you just brought up? What's a test? What's a question? How do we how do we
0: become a little more objective about our own writing? I was given an assignment to write an advertisement when I was in college. And the guy I wrote it for was a guy that was seriously going to advertise a product and he was putting money into it. And he goes, I need a slogan. I need a commercial. And I did it. And he's like, that's it? I said, That's it. And he goes, Wait a minute. I and he didn't trust it. He just didn't trust my instinct and didn't trust it. So he went out and did his own survey. He wrote ten other log lines and taglines for it and got a whole slogan thing. He put all these slogans together, did a survey, and he walked around campus and did like 150 people. He interviewed them all. He said, Would you read these ten headline slogans and tell me which one pops for you? And every one of them came back and he comes back to me and says, All right, that's the one we're doing. The one you wrote. And I said so what took you so long to so say yes? And then he goes, I wanted to go verify it. And so I'm like, you did. And he said, so how did you verify? It? And I said, how did I verify it? I put it down on paper because I knew that was the right idea. And he goes, okay, that's just strange. And I said, no, no, it's, it's in me. And that's why when somebody's, I've had several ideas stolen. And when somebody's like, dude, you could sue your way into the business because of this, I'm like, no, 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 this well is deep. I don't need to sue myself into this business. I don't need to, do that to anybody. If they want to do it, it's shallow for them. For me, I got another 10 ideas and that's okay. I'm going to go do another one. So you go live with that nonsense. And I'm going to go do this one because I got another better one. So the answer is instinctually, you got to know this stuff, but you know this instinctually because you put the time in. I know that's really, that's not a secret answer. It's just not, you just got to put the time in, but ultimately it's instinctual. It's just hard to say that because you sort of know, because you know, it's like shopping for clothes. You don't know what it's right until it's on. You're like, Oh, that's it. That's the one. And you don't know what you're looking for until you see it. That's kind of like when it comes out, like when you're writing along, you're like, Oh, I don't know. I don't, Ooh, that's it. That's it. And you know, when you're in it, as a matter of fact, here's how I know when we're really in it, Jess, this is just a bizarre thing to say, but I've been in this zone before where when you're typing along and writing along, you're so connected and you're so much in a zone that it's like you're filling out a crossword puzzle and there are blank squares on the page and you're just putting letters in there that have already been written. And you, it's your responsibility to simply put the words in there that the puzzle is already set up for you to do. And it's like a deja vu experience because you're like, wow, I'm just filling in blanks. That's all I'm doing. The script is like writing itself. And it's the most wonderful experience because it's literally spiritual because my hair would stand on end when that happens. And you go like, wow that's amazing you're so in a zone you've lived with this character for so long that now you're just filling in the blanks for what you know they would say and then you know you're like wow I love this character so much then you cry with them when you're writing and you laugh with them, and you feel embarrassed because you're like in a room by yourself (laughs) emoting like this going wow this person's like crazy but the funnest the most fun thing was when we did a stage reading of one of our shows someone called me back like three months later and said hey I was just calling to check on those characters to find out how they're doing. And I'm like, I'm sorry. And they're like, I mean, those are like people for me. So I just, from three months ago to now something obviously happened in their life. Tell me what's going on in their lives. I'm like, that is so good. They go like, no, no, those people were so real. I can't believe how real those were. And I'm like, okay, that was the greatest compliment. That was such a great compliment. We love that. Anyway, I, I, I know I'm rambling around the topic, so I hope that's close to what you want. No, it's interesting. I mean,
1: it's one of the most fun things about this show, right? We're 600 and something episodes in and so many of the most uh, things, some of the most accomplished people sound like carbon copies of each other. And you just switch the sector they're in. (laughs) You know, they talk about listening and they talk about patience and they talk about, um, they talk about forgetting what you care about and being way more concerned about what your customer cares about. And, and they could sound cliche, Except that, you know, the guy just is just built his second billion dollar company, you know, when he says it. And you just realize, like, it's not that it's new information. It's that he lives it so much harder than everyone else who's heard that cliche. And that's why he got the results out of it. And like, oh, yeah. you talk about those meaning, like, you know, you talk about putting in the hours, right? And I remember at art school with this one teacher who wasn't a professor. He was he's been at an art center in Pasadena and he just taught one class on the side of being a really high level artist, right? And he talked about having mileage on your pencil. And he's like, You want to make it, it's all about the mileage. And you think like that's hyperbole, but in some ways it's not hyperbole. Like the amount of drawing, like we we had to fill up these you know, two foot by three foot uh, sketchbooks. And you had to fill up all hundred pages like every month or something. I mean it was like absurd how how much volume he required from us,
0: right? And so but it's, it's like drawing out- 10 ideas to get one good one, like I was saying before. I just constantly throwing out ideas going, oh no, how about this? How about this? How about this? And you can't just say it and you can't just do it for the sake of doing it, but you don't write because you feel like writing. You write because you don't feel like writing. That's the whole point, is you you tell stories when you don't feel like it's like, oh, here, you don't get what I'm trying to say. Let me illustrate that by sharing this parallel metaphor. And they're like, Why do you have 10 stories for every example you're trying to tell me? And I'm like, because I'm trying to help you to see it. And if you see it and feel it, then you get it anyway. But the idea is, yeah, you got to do 100 pages. You got to fill those 100 pages. You got to fill those 10 ideas. But that's not just because they're silly and stupid. It's because you're truly plumbing the depths of every possible angle. It's like, you know, aiming at the target. And you're like, okay, a little bit to the left, a little bit more to the right, a little bit more to the left, a down. And so you're just shooting all around it. So finally, when you hit that bullseye, you're like, ah, <sighs> And sometimes you cry. Sometimes you laugh. Sometimes you come away and you're like, Yes. And it's just it's the coolest thing in the world when you get there because you're like, right on, man. This is and then you then you run. I've had this experience where I literally run into the room, and I'm like, Tanya, my wife, listen to this. And you read it to her and she's like cooking or doing something, and all of a sudden you go, Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's nice. And I'm like, That's nice. She goes, Well, of course it's nice. I'm like, that took me three days to come up with that sentence. She goes, Yeah, it sounds good. I'm like, Good. <laughs> and so like and then I realized that. The reason why it sounds naturally good is because the most simple, perfect answer does take three days to come up with that sometimes. And then what is natural to you and me, that's how come it's so simple is because we all go, Oh yeah, of course. And I'm like, of course, what do you mean? Of course. I worked on that for three days. But it's like the, the it's
1: like the simplicity on the other side of complexity, you know, like that same instructor, Jeff Carter, the reason that he's this like high level artist out by Jackson hole, Wyoming and some of my other art teachers, thought they were high level artists. (laughs) Okay. Um, Is this same principle? Like he's the guy that would force us like, and we're in this like advanced illustration class and he's like, I want to see thumbnails from you. And we'd show him be like, no, no, minimum 20 thumbnails. Like you are not allowed to start this without 20 compositions before you start. And I was like, this is so dumb. This first one's great. And I would do it and inevitably be like number 17 kills the one that I thought was it, you know? and i just learned to trust him on it right well okay so my well, wife I, knows this but
0: oh it's the top ad agencies in the world i mean ogilvy made Mather. ogilvy said okay everybody come up with ideas so all the creative directors are coming up with ideas and he says nope first idea everyone throws out everyone does it's like everybody comes up with a first idea now when you get to the fifth idea and the sixth idea we're getting closer we really are the seventh idea is maybe right on but everybody gets you have to do this you have to go through that mileage and But it's amazing how much refinement. It's just like here in my work right now when I say, hey, why don't we try this? And it's just an idea that's sort of ephemeral. And then people go, oh, we can add this and we can add this. And pretty soon it's stone soup and everybody's putting in cabbage, carrots, lettuce. And all of a sudden it becomes this soufflé of soup and you're like, wow, this is an amazing thing. And it was just one little simple concept that you throw out there. And bam, it flourishes. I interrupted your question. You were gonna ask something. You said your wife knows this.
1: Yeah, so I'm gonna end kind of where we started off. About this, like I love so many things about you, but one of my very favorite things is you're just like absurd talent for making others feel good about themselves. Okay, my wife knows this. If I ever grew up, there's three people I hope to become a mashup of. Okay, my grandpa Bridge, my mom's dad, who's just the the best human being of all time. Every one of his 65 grandkids thought they were his special grandkid. They were obviously delusional. It was me. But okay, right. So it's Jim Bridge, right? Yeah, it's Jim Bridge, Matt Ball, and Lindsay Hadley. That's who I hope to end up a mashup of. So that's awesome. So I'm gonna we're gonna close on the same topic. When okay. you th- when you think about taking your natural talent and adding to it of making others feel good about themselves, do you have a principle for the rest of us to practice?
0: Well, my wife is the one that shares that principle, and she got it from her dad, and that was whenever you're talking to anybody, you always find something positive about them to say. Always. So he, my father-in-law would always say, we can do this. We can. And when you're talking to somebody and working with somebody, you have to find something positive to say about them. You have to. And so my wife and I would use the same principle when we were arguing. And when our kids would get married and they would have struggles in the marriage, we would say, okay, if it's going to be this bad and this difficult, then here's the assignment we're giving you. For every critique and every criticism that you get, you have to say, stop. You have to give a compliment for every criticism you give. That's the requirement here. If you're going to give me 10, I need 10 compliments. So the idea is you have to find a way to compliment something about this individual. And even if they smell bad, look bad, sound bad, everything about them is just irritating. And you know you have to do business with them. You have to find a way to connect with them so that they know that you appreciate being in that room with them and that you can not only live with them, but you can survive and thrive with them. So you have to find a way to compliment them. And you got to find that thing that gives you enough strength to say, hey, can I just stop for a second? I've never known anybody that when we're talking actually can hear me and is listening well enough to understand the nuance of this detail. And I've said that to many, many people, but you're the only one that's ever caught that nuance before. And I didn't know anybody understood it like I do, but I don't know if it's because we share something in our past or it's because you have a similar experience with your own family, but to me, that says that uh, you're the kind of person that I can not only work with, but I really appreciate it. So, man, it's an honor. It's a real honor to meet a kindred spirit. Thanks, thank you so much. And so when you're finding that thing, it sort of allows them to see that you're not only listening and paying attention to them, but you notice. You notice things that are important that it's like you and I both know. By saying your name, Jess, I love names. And I think it's really important to know everybody's name. And so when I'm in a room, I'll make a point to memorize everybody's name so that and if I don't know them, I say, please forgive me. I want you to say your name for me so I don't mispronounce it, because your name is really important to me now because I've gotten to know you well enough to where I, I want to say it again because it's such a sweet memory memory for me now. So please help me to say it exactly how you would. Barbutian, And I'm like, Barbutian, is that Armenian? Yes, Barbutian. Okay, awesome. And so I'm like, that's great. He says, you said that with good accent. And I said, you speak with good accent. Let's do this. <laughs> it's, it's fun. So I guess that's the answer. It's just trying to find that one thing or something about them that you you sincerely say, okay, that's a genuine compliment. And even though it may be forcing you, you got to fake it till you make it. Because that faking it, if that's really faking, if it's forcing you to find something, then you'll connect with that. Because it's the it's the power of words. It's the power of manifesting it. you know, It's the power of saying it out loud. Because when you say it out loud, it comes back to you and it sticks in you too. Because even though I say it to you like, hey, Jess, you know what? The fact that you have this wife that sticks with you and hangs with you and gives you this beautiful family, and then you give back to them all the things that make them want to say, yeah, that's my dad. That's my husband. That's my guy. The fact that you've created this beautiful thing, it's like, wow, I want to say his name again. I want to say Jess Larson again and again, because you were just a kid when I met you, but man, you just lit the world on fire. That's like, wow, who's this guy? Who is this kid? So you didn't, you never acted like a kid. You were always acting like 10 years older than yourself always. So that was really a a joy to be able to say, I don't think I'm ever going to have this kind of, I don't know if I was that spry. Was I that smart? I'm feeling, I don't know if I was that ambitious. Wow. I'm so far to go. I, I feel so behind, I feel like such a loser around him. <laughs> and then you start to go, no, no, no. I can really build on this and anyway. So it's getting past all the comparisons. You gotta get past that for sure. And and that's something that my wife and I always talk about always. And that is, this just can't be a comparison thing. You know, it can't be like, well, the kids are always talking to you. They must like you best. No, that's not true. It's not, we're not comparing. We're not, we're not doing the comparison thing. It's just all about being in the moment saying the right thing. And here's a last story for you. This is kind of crazy. But it has to do with the very things we're talking about. And the gal that cuts my hair, and she just, like, buzzed my hair so short yesterday. I'm like, okay, I'm supposed to do a podcast. My hair's so short. My wife's going to kill me this week. <laughs> anyway, she's like, you look like a corporate dude. So, but she's this married gal that's, she's, she's a lovely lady. And she's got a, a daughter that's grown up. She's 17 years old. And I love this family. She's remarried. But before she got remarried, she says to me, hey, Matt, can I talk to you? I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, let's talk. And she goes, no, 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 I mean, like personal stuff. Can I talk to you? I'm like, okay, yeah. I mean, she knows my wife and my family, so I'm thinking we're good. And so she's like, no, I just need to talk to somebody that won't hit on me every second. Can I just talk to you and share this? Because I know you're not going to hit on me. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Then I'm like, whoa, man, I'm going out of my way, not to even get close to her thinking anything. And then she says to me yesterday, hey, Matt, my daughter's going through a really hard time and she needs a man just to just to give her a man's perspective on life I'm like not a crazy man but a man right (laughs) she goes no no she says is there anything you can do to like give her some perspective I'm like yeah let's go for a drive let's go get a job let's go get a drink let's go get let's go to the beach let's drive and I said but I think I should probably take my daughter so she doesn't freak out that I've got her in the car you know And, and I said but we'll just chat and I said But she's like, no, 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 because I know you're not going to be weird. You're just going to give it to her like a guy. You're going to just share with her without her feeling any imposition of weirdness. She won't feel as though there's something else in your agenda. Like this guy's a little bit too, you know, she's not going to feel that. She goes, no, 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 I don't. I don't get this wrong vibe from you at all. I always feel like I can trust you. And I'm like, oh, so when she says that naturally, what does it make you want to do? It makes you want to be more trustworthy and more circumspect and more careful about how you approach this and because you're like, oh, she trusts me enough with her daughter to try to give her daughter a man's perspective on how to approach something. As a result, you want to go I want to really be careful. I want to really be mindful and very sensitive to this little gal. Even though she's not little, she's 17. I want to be able to give her a perspective that might help her say, "Hey, listen, just because a guy says I like you, that doesn't mean jack. I'm telling you what a guy likes versus what you like are two completely different things. Okay. So let me give you some perspective here. Anyway, to be able to tell her stuff like that with my daughter in the car as well, then I'm not going to feel so you know off. But the point is, is that people trust you because they can hear that there's some genuine sincerity in your expression and you're, you're truly trying to connect and you're trying to find a way to share. And so when she said to me, I think I can say this to you because you're not going to hit on me. I'm like, course of course that's the case and in my mind i'm thinking wow this is a beautiful woman if i'm just talking to her people are going to think i'm trying to hit on her but at the end of the day they're like he brought you ice cream one day i just stopped by the hair salon and I said hey you always been cutting my hair for like 10 years and i brought her like a box of hagenaz bars they're like are you guys you have something going on she's like would you stop it this is <laughs> like <a> fr- <laughs> you know and i'm like oh i'm so glad that we have this really cool friendship that allows that to happen. And so I'm like, but that's the kind of stuff that we we get to do all the time with folks. And that comes from saying something to people and being that that real person with someone where you're trying to find the positive thing about them where you say, oh, hey, I can really, really see in you something that I want to be. So if I can just copy those traits and practice that a little bit, maybe I can pick up a little bit of this vibe from the Jess vibe and be a little bit more like the Larson man. And if I could do that, then... Maybe it'll keep me a little bit younger. Maybe I will not not get great so fast and maybe I'll be able to hang on a little bit longer. So, hey, it's already takes a long, Jess. It's a blast being with you. I love it.
1: No, this is too fun. Listen, we've covered a lot of things. What do you want to end with?
0: What do you want to say? You got the mic. Just my kids are my best friends. They're so much fun. They are a blast. They are. And, and that really, really through hardship comes probably the greatest blessings of your life. And that... The hardest things end up being the things that become not just the tools that you end up using later, but they end up being the understanding that gives you perspective and wisdom. And then you can apply a different knowledge tool set to how to solve a problem because you've got this wisdom of rough experiences and hard things that make it so that you have to balance it all together and somehow come through that and, you know, be a guy that lives in this space without making people think you're weird and that you're not too you're not too harsh you're not too calm you're not you know you have to find this balance and finding that balance i think comes from the wisdom and the learning that comes from living through hard things and so i i think that the harder life se- feels and seems on us i think that it's the greatest teacher in the world because we never learn anything when things are going smooth we always learn it when it's going rough when we fail we learn the most when we try and it doesn't work we learn the most and Maybe that's why I always get frustrated when I see gazillionaires out there. And I'm like, I certainly am not standing in that line. And I never was. So how do I get there? And I'm like, well, maybe I just, I don't know. Maybe I couldn't handle that well. <laughs> and I'd like to try a little bit. But anyway, the point is, is that hard things are are good for us. As long as we respond and react to those things in a way that we choose to be positive, I think that we can ultimately be better and help other people be better because of it, too. Sorry if that sounds, sounds too schwalzy, but I think that's what it is. It's just... Hard things are good for us if we choose better, to act better.
1: Solid gold.
0: Okay. Does that help?
1: Yep. Love it. I think that's it. I think that's the end. I think that's the place to end. This is great. Thanks for doing this.
0: Yeah. What an awesome thing you do here. I love this, Jess. This is really fun, man. This is totally fun. (laughs) Okay,
1: everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. Hey, thanks. Uh,